Hey guys, this is And The Writer Is, and I'm your host, Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of writers and artists over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life and the industry, politics, composition, whatever. If you ask me, songwriters are some of the most worldly and intelligent people I've ever come across. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. Now, I'm co-producing this with my friend Joe London, who was nominated for a Grammy earlier this year for Best Country Song. He makes us sound like angels. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, go to Spotify and look up our playlist, And The Writer Is, or go to our website, www.andthewriteris.com. Oh, and if you enjoy this podcast, please rate us on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is. We really appreciate that effort. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, before we get into the episode, there's something I wanted to say. This past Tuesday, I won BMI Pop Songwriter of the Year. I'm the co-winner with Justin Tranner because we tied for the most awards of the night. We don't really get a chance to give an acceptance speech, so I guess this is my opportunity. Last year, I didn't win a BMI Pop Award. And the year before that, I didn't win a BMI Pop Award either. So this goes out to all of you who didn't win a Pop Award this year, but will eventually be Songwriter of the Year. Now on to this episode. Speaking of BMI Songwriters of the Year, Noel Zancanella, he won it once. He happens to do a lot of stuff with Ryan Tedder, so I know a lot of you guessed that that would be our guest on our social media, on our Instagram, Twitter, etc. And that's what I love so much about this podcast, is that it's introducing you to the people who are really behind the song. You may not even know who Noel is, but Noel's sitting there writing and producing all these records with Ryan. He's even doing some on his own. He's kind of the hidden member of One Republic, if you will. We did this episode a little bit ago at the Village Recorder, which is a classic studio. You should look it up because incredible records have been done there. We talk about Ryan Tedder from the beginning because obviously that's who his publishing is through and who his main co-writer is. We talk about Brent Kutzel, who is the cellist and bassist of One Republic. And we talk about DJ Frankie, who's a great producer out of Colorado as well. So without further ado, here is this week's episode of And The Writer Is. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. Today's writer-producer has won Grammys. He has collaborated on more than a handful of number ones, and he's been crowned BMI Songwriter of the Year. In addition to that, he's kind of an invisible member of one of the biggest bands in the world. Even with all those accolades, he's perhaps the most modest writer we've ever interviewed. And the writer is one of my first co-writers from way back, Noel Zancanella. Hey. How about that? It's amazing. That intro is amazing. Thanks, man. This uh, this room is is uh, is is amazing. So you um, we're in Danny Elfman's old room. Is that what this is? Yeah, it's Studio E for Elfman. But uh, do you feel that energy? I mean, I know you're like you're into that. Like, do you think you feel the energy of of the previous people who've worked in this classic building? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And they do they do a lot here. You know, the village does a lot to keep all of that alive too, and keep the memory. You yeah, know, and the history of this building intact. Uh, the room's excellent, man. I like I said, we like we were discussing. I I'm the least famous person to ever occupy this space, man. At one point in time, I think this even was uh, the headquarters for a uh, um oh shit, what was the name of that synth? Like super off Move fair or fair light. Oh wow, nice. This was their headquarters. Like, yeah, 
Do people ever ask you what kind of equipment you use, like online? Because when people ask me that, I'm usually like, I don't, I don't know if I use equipment. I use my iPhone. I mean, I know it's different because I'm not a producer. But do people constantly ask you? It's all in the box questions these days, though. You know, it's like what, What literally, like what? Yeah, exactly. What plugins or or even what like auto tune settings? Like, no, 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 that's not true. Somebody hit me up uh, maybe a few weeks ago, and they really wanted to know how I recorded um. Uh, Ella Henderson's ghost. How yeah. Ella was recorded. How did you? I think she was. I think we used like a sixty-seven or a forty-seven. It was. It was. Uh, you know, it's a snafu because she. We did it in London, like super right, quick. Right, and, right, so right. I don't really remember. But she's incredible. Yeah, she's rad, man. So uh, I was looking back at our old emails, and we've been friends for like seven or eight years now. Yeah, man. which is amazing because at the time we were working in, you know, uh, Oren Yoel's old place. And which is was underneath what are now train tracks, right? You know, right? And it's amazing to see what's happened in your last seven or eight years. How how did that happen? Where have you been? I mean, it's, like, how did it go from geez. when we first started writing together? We were. I don't think you had any cuts at that point, right? Maybe not. Maybe you know? not. Yeah, I don't I think mean, I, I did either. But I, I mean, no, that would have been a uh, uh, twenty ten. I think. Dude, sure. I think yeah, it yeah. was 2010 when we were hanging out and we were doing like the key. Yeah. Remember we we wrote with what's his what, what's his name? Uh, oh, Keith right. Harrison. Is that his name? What? What's Keith's last name? No, Black was... Eyed Peas guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Keith Harris. Yeah, Keith Harris. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, we wrote. Remember we did a date yeah. with him, which was yeah. super fun. We've done a bunch of random sessions. Yeah, man. So I, I kind of went back and saw like how even you, me, and Brent. And you know, we did, we did, we kind of did we, a few sessions, but like, well, so what happened was I, you know, I signed with Ryan because of basically because of Good Life because I co-wrote that with the band, and then uh, they went on tour immediately. This was like oh nine, like maybe the end of oh nine, well, so right? which all good. kind of fits into you, right? So, so then, like, I, so I wrote Good Life with them, signed a, a, a songwriter's deal in with Colorado, them, in Colorado, okay, and then, uh, um, and then they. Bound the mo- like the, literally the second we got the record done, they bounced on, on like a 15, 16 month tour. And so I came here and kind of oh, just wow. started getting into the mix and stuff. But you didn't know at the time that Good Life was going to be that big. It was, no, because it, you know. it was the third single and it took uh, like, oh, you know, two years almost after the record came out, a year and a half or something, to be, even become a single. And then even when it became a single, it like crawled. At, sure. You know, it's, it's kind of the classic One Republic slow burn thing. There's probably not another band in the last five years that sort of automatically would just sort of... That album, I mean, I think you guys had three number one songs. That's certainly a hot AC and whatnot, you know? Yeah. They just lasted forever. I mean, Counting Stars was like, just sat there for... Yeah, that one was years. It felt like, yeah, probably literally, absolutely. So, so that's so you and I were doing our thing, and then uh, so I spent most of that year, I think, here, kind of just in the writer gauntlet. Yeah, you know. Wait, so wait, go go back a second. So, where in Colorado are you from again? Denver. So you're from Denver, but how did you? So how did you meet Ryan? I mean, I know obviously he's he's from Colorado Springs, right? Well. So he's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, but his oh, dad right, right, right. lives in Colorado Springs. Right. And so I think he came to live with his dad for maybe a year or two. Uh-huh. Um, in, I don't know, in high school. Sure. And that's where he met kind of some of the founding members of, of One Republic. Okay. And uh, and then he convinced them all to move, I think, in 03 or something like that to L.A. to try to kind of create a start a career as a band. Sure. And so everybody went, everybody moved out here. And, uh, but so his wife, Ryan's wife is from Denver. Right. Okay. And so there's the connection there. So when Apologize blew up and, and they got massive, I, th- I think it kind of boils down. I think the wife literally was like, uh, uh, Genevieve was just like, look, you know, if you're going to have a career as like a fucking rock star, then you should probably, you know, maybe I should live in Denver and be close to my family. If we're gonna have babies and stuff, right? So, yeah. If so you're gonna be traveling the world, then let me stay home. Well, and that's what yeah, happened. I think yeah. Apologize blew up, yeah, and he was instantly forced into like fifteen to eighteen months of touring. Dude, we played- Only he had no money at that time, right? So he sure. couldn't even come back to see her. So he convinced her to move out here, or however that worked. You know right. what I mean? Or they agreed to move out together, or whatever. Right. And then he just kind of, you know, it wasn't his fault. Sure. But I think at that point she was just like, dude, you know. So so I I had met him here at the village. I had worked. I had been doing. I was an, uh, an engineer. And oh, okay. I'd done a lot, you know what I mean? There was there was a period of time. So you t- coincidentally moved down here 
it, it, nothing to do with them when you were at the when you were engineering. Nope, I, I met Ryan literally in this building. Yeah. Oh, so it's coincidence that you're from from Colorado and he was living there. One hundred percent coincidence. I always thought you guys knew each other from home. Yeah. No. Okay. I really didn't know anybody. I mean, you know, the other kind of like big guy from Denver is Frankie, right? Right, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I didn't know Frankie either. Yeah. He's a lot younger than me, though, so. Sure. Wait, so when you were in, you're working as an engineer here, were you like a, I mean, you weren't really a runner. You obviously know what oh, you're I started stuff. as a runner here. Yeah. Started as a runner. Were and there then people that you my way up. Were there people you'd walk in and, and be like, man, I, I really want to get to know this guy, but I'm just going to take his food order and just do the run? Dude, all the time, man. I mean, my first run here was, my first run was getting coffee for Suge Knight. For Suge Knight? Yeah, it was like, it was Twilight Zone because I was like this silly, petty Denver kid, you know? Sure. And uh, I mean, even now, bro, there's a lot more popping in Denver musically or has been with Lumineers, et cetera, you know, over the last decade than there was when I lived there you know, 2004 and earlier. So it was like, it was just nothing going on. When I moved to LA, it was just, it was a huge eye-opener, right? So Suge Knight goes and turns so to you I, and So says, I start I working at this place. Oh man, I, can't, I don't want to tell that story. Well, you kind of have to. <laughs> I guarantee he's not listening to this podcast from his prison cell. Okay, so it has, so I can't exactly, you know, this is all, you know, I'm going to paraphrase and I don't remember. This is all just all right. out of, off memory, but it okay. happens something like this. I pull up the guy that owns the village is, is he runs yeah. a tight ship, Jeff. Yeah. And yeah. I love him, man. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, that's part, part of the reason why I'm here now is because they're so excellent to their clients. Not always the greatest guy to work for just because he's a, you know, he's a ball buster. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I roll, I had my little Honda Civic, you know what I mean? And I rolled up and, and, uh, and the first thing Jeff said to me was just like, don't fuck this up. You know, it was right, one right. of those. Yeah. And, and so Suge wanted, uh, uh, it was like a tall cappuccino from Starbucks with eight Splendas in it. Eight. Eight Splendas? So I raced to Starbucks. It was my first thing, you know, and, and, and I throw the Splendas in the coffee and I didn't stir it. So I, but I, so I, I came back, man, and I remember pulling in and like Suge was, it was like nine in the morning, okay? And he had been, you know, all night bender. You know, and he's standing in the parking lot, like on the phone, and and uh, I pull up, and Jeff's standing there, and he's like, "Did you, you know, you better not fuck this up or something like that, yeah. man." And ha- I hand Jeff the coffee, and he gives it to Suge. Suge takes a sip, and he's like, "There's no Splenda in here," because <laughs> I guess he probably tasted the foam on the top, right? Yeah. So I, I'll never. Jeff was just like, "Go put fucking eight Splenda in there." And I'm like, "I did." He's like, "Go put another eight. So I went and put like eight more Splenda in this fucking cappuccino, man, and he just pounded it, and he was like, "This is great." Were you sitting in front of us, man? I was like, oh my god! I mean, half of that cup was sure. So that's your first day. Here? It was my first run. Yeah, I mean, in a studio like this, it's literally like Wayne's World, right? Because yeah, they're right. they're booking whoever every single. So I mean, you never know who you're gonna. Yeah, run I mean, like, I, Ringo Starr. Yeah. I ran into Ringo Starr in the hall here or something like that. Like one of the first, you know, week or two I worked here. Do you say hi? It depends, right? They they've got they've got a big thing about that here which i get man because you know left unchecked there's a lot of cats that would just like slip the script under the the oh yeah well there was i I, there was a guy a runner at another studio that i know of who was in this like his idol was in the room with us and he's like i know i'm not supposed to do this but i take a picture and he did and then i know that he got fired like the next day and i was like oh man just And take it out of context, I get. Like, you know, it's... Yeah, I know. They, they should be able room, to do it, like, but, but if you like, multiply it by all of the new kids, yeah. that it, it's just a free-for-all. And you know how it is, man, when you've got a lot going on, like you and Cash or whatever, you're working on stuff, last thing you want is, like, people in your room fucking... Right. Oh, you wrote that song. You know, you're like, dude, just there's a great There's a great sort of a quote sort of thing where someone was talking about Sting and it's asking him about one of his big records. And, and uh, you know, they, they asked, like... You know, tell me about writing that song. He's like, dude, I wrote that song in, you know, essentially in one day. You know, all you guys have lived with this for 10 years, 20 years. But all the answers that I've had about this song, I had the same for 20 years. Wow. You know, it's really strange. You can tell the story, but I can see why after a certain time, you know, how many times can you answer how you wrote a song that really probably took you 
I don't know. I mean, how, exactly. we can name a number of records that were hits <coughs> that were written very quickly. Not, and a lot of them are take a, a long time, but even it, how long does it really take for it to be a good story? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's yeah. still, yeah. I don't know, you wrote a song, and then it's so mysterious when other people kind of don't have that. Yeah. But when you're here and you're running and you're doing all the engineering stuff, how does it go from you meeting Ryan and then why that <laughs> day are you is it are you allowed to say like, hey, I moved out to, to Los Angeles to definitely do writing and production. Right. You know, but it was like wait, well, you, ta- were wait DJ, tables. you were a DJ or something uh, I, like that. Well, right? I was I had a college radio show, a different type of DJ. OK, right? but but uh. Uh, for what C- kind of music C- was it? Boulder, like weird, super weird jazz, like any, like weird, exper- like all this shit we sample for hip hop, basically. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I had that show for two years or something like that, or a, maybe a year, but I used I used it as an excuse to buy as many records as I could possibly buy. And see, you would pay for it because it was your show. Yeah, and it basically. was a college show. Yeah, it was pretty. Is cool. that how you got your your background? Was just being a fan of music, or your parents? Were my dad. Your- my dad was it, it was a jazz trumpet player, man. So did you play so I, trumpet? Uh, no. No, I grew up uh, playing bass. My first instrument was bass. Bass and guitar, right? Hand in hand kind of. Sure. <clears throat> do you still actually play a lot or are you mostly doing stuff? I, kinda... Dude, I, I play enough to write. <laughs> it's not like a lot yeah. of us, right? <clears throat> yeah, because programming and stuff was always my forte. Sure. Like, I got into, got really into, once I got kind of a drum machine, MPC type thing. Sure. I'm old though, man. You know, know, I, Everybody's da- I shouldn't like, date you and ask you and ask how you were. These kids are like now they're like fifteen stuff. and you have like yeah. logic just for free or you know what I mean? Sure. This whole thing. I mean, back in the day you actually had to have Pro Tools and like, you know, you had to go to a studio that had Pro Tools because it's like a forty thousand dollar rig. Right. You know, so yeah, man, everything was done on. So you go, you you tell me again. So you meet Ryan. How? Okay, so so what happened was I I was doing a lot. I of guess in, I, I was doing start a lot of with Ryan, right? Well, though? I'll, I'll, I mean, like that makes sense. So the first time I met Ryan actually was uh, uh we were working on like, I don't this this cat named Dima Bilon. I think okay. his, he's like the at the time anyway he was like this kind of Russian Justin Timberlake. Ah of, yes, naturally. And so they had. So they had had hired Timbaland, like right at his peak too. You know, this is coming off of the uh, Future Sex Love Sounds record. Hired him to do uh, two songs, and that's and so and I, Ryan was like Ryan was had just signed for, to Timbaland. This uh, pre apologize, right? Yeah, right. he had signed to Timbaland and was a writer. Uh, to had him move out here, I think, okay. or, or whatever. You know what I mean? When Ryan moved to L.A., it was, yeah, it's I when think they it was right for after the band Colum- and for the writing. Right after Columbia, before he signed a mostly. Right? <laughs> there you go, and he signed like, a Lance Bass yeah. or something like that for a year because he won that. Uh, right, you, you know, Tedder won some like it was yeah, right. It was like MTV, a pre like MTV pre American yeah. Idol kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, so uh, that that that's the project that I met Ryan on. I think, man, he was working on a couple songs. I was work- we were you know we were kind of forced to interface because right. we had to work on these songs and sure. this whole thing. And then uh, I just ended up. Uh, and then obviously Ryan came back through a lot for a little while there while Timbaland was coming through. And sure. then uh, uh, and then I didn't see him for a long time. Man, <clears throat> went off on my own, did my own thing, quit working here. Okay. I ultimately, I didn't want to be an engineer. It was just how I was paying bills. But uh, uh, and a great place to meet people and a sure. great skill set to have. However, when you work for a studio like this, as anybody that works here can attest, like you're married to it, bro. Right? You know, there's sixty hour weeks, so it's just like I literally couldn't do anything else but just be an engineer. I didn't want to do that. So I quit, fo- got back into writing and production. And were you I, living in Santa Monica at the time? Were you Venice. living? I've always you lived were... in Venice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, so then I, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I just, I was pitching shit to James Cheney at U- UMG when he w- used to work there. And I was trying to like figure That's it out. That's how I met you is through James. There you go. Because James yeah. hit up. Because um, that was like our orange James connection. hit up. Okay. Because he, <laughs> he hit up Brett. Stare, who is the same guy who connected me to Ryan, and then he, Brett was because Brett was my booking agent. He was, you know, he was like, "You should write with Noel." So that's, that's right. how that happened. Was, Brett was your I, booking I didn't have like a, I don't think I had a publishing deal at the time, so wow. I think it was like pre all that. Wow, man. Yeah, like, yeah. but anyway, so you go and um, you guys are working on the Russian Justin Timberlake. So 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 we worked on that stuff, and then you know I would see Ryan here, sure. here and there. And and uh, uh, how it really happened though was years later. I think in like oh nine, oh eight, oh eight. I met this girl in Denver, man, and uh, I fell in love with her. 
and I started chasing her. And so I started looking for every reason I could to go back. And uh, 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 so what happened is I have a buddy that lives in Denver who owns one of the nicest recording studios in, in the city. And, and he, Ryan, was coming through with a bunch of other people. As a matter of fact, I know the session, man. He was coming in with uh, 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 Wayne Wilkins, Louis Biancanella. Isn't that his last name? I don't yeah, know. yeah, I always forget Louis's last name. Uh, okay. I don't know him yeah. very well. Uh, Sam Waters. Right, of course. And Ryan. And they wrote uh, um, Jordan Sparks' uh, Battle uh-huh. What was it? Battlefield? Yeah. yeah. Is that what the song was called? Right. Yeah, okay, so here's the deal. It was like so, a Love is a Battlefield for 2000 the, and... Oh, like there was like right around it. Halo and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah, so what had happened was my buddy uh, had booked the session. Ryan was moving... He'd moved back to Denver and wanted to book right. the session at this thing. So my buddy called me and he was like, dude, I do not. He's like, I know you're not an engineer anymore, but... Uh, uh, I don't have anybody like yeah. he was super. He wanted. You don't a, have anybody to, big enough at that point. He's like, I don't, like, have, I don't have a high enough caliber. Enough. Yeah. Exactly. It was. It's Denver. He's like, can you? Will you do it? Will you pinch it for me? Sure. And I was like, oh fuck, it's Ryan. Okay, what? Well, uh, sure. You know what I mean. And and so I did it. So did that, he know you from here? Yeah. So it was like oh, yeah. he, he walked in and was like, "What are you doing here?" Exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah. And so uh, we did that one day, or it was like two days, or something like that. And then I didn't see him again, you know what I mean, for like maybe another month and a half. And, sure. I, and I don't – I can't – to be honest with you, man, I can't remember exactly how it went down. But I literally ran into him and Evan Bogart at a coffee shop in Denver because I was still there chasing this chick, you know, like coming back and forth. So I ran into Ryan again and he was like – he's like, dude, you know, this is post that's the Wayne Wilkins stuff, yeah, the Battlefield session. And he goes uh, – he was like, I have an overlap. Like, you know, he's like, my band is recording an album. I think it was Waking Up. Must have been. No, yeah, yes, it was Waking Up. And uh, uh, they were recording it in this big old house in this neighborhood of Denver called Park Hill, which is really beautiful. And he's like, he's like, I've got to, you know, we, we turned this entire house into a studio. We're doing a record there. We're like almost finished with it. He's like, but I have this one week thing coming up in like three weeks where I don't have an engineer. And he's like, can you? Can you please just come by? You know what I mean, and yeah. like help us plug things in and help us record a few things and, and this and that, and uh, you know, whatever. And I was like, sure. You know, again, it was another excuse to kind of yeah be near this chick. So I went to the house, man, and uh, uh, worked with the guys for amazing. A week. How much a girl can have to do it, like your whole career? Yeah, no, I'm dead serious, man. It's all you think about yeah. this girl, and because uh, uh, I didn't, I really didn't want to engineer. You know, it's a rough gig, man. Right, it's a rough gig, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, so it just happened, bro. Pretty it thankless. Just, it just happened. I got in there and I had <laughs> the skill set that those guys kind of, they needed someone like me, man, because I could, you know, I can also, a lot of engineers these days, they can't get sounds. They right. don't know how to use mics and stuff. They do, they can they can set up a mic for a vocal, for a right. pop vocal, but a right. fucking, you know, C800 yeah. into a 1073, into a CL1B, you know what I mean? Right. And then that's all they, they maybe, get the, you know. And so like, Right off the bat with Warner Public, I was recording cellos and like it was like, oh, let's do this, you know what I right. mean? And and I made it happen, and I guess they liked me, so I just stuck in with them. But how did you move from being a an engine? Well, first of all, well, so how did you it move worked from like this. So, so I started with Ryan. You know, at that point, I was I was pretty blatant about the fact that I was like I was like, look, dude, I'm not an engineer. You know what I mean anymore? Yeah. Like I'm like I'm doing this. Like I was just kind of like I also do this other thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, I can't remember the song. But there was something that I was like, you know, he was working, Ryan was working on. And I was like, you know, I could probably, you know, Produces fix the drums on that yeah. and make it a little more pop. And yeah, it may have been a Natasha Bedingfield thing. I don't remember yeah. what was going on at that. It was, this yeah. was like 09, but it yeah. was something like that. And uh, I did and he liked it. So I started doing like more and more production for the things that he had, was working on. You know, and he's trying to finish a record while simultaneously still being Ryan Tedder and like working on nine pop songs. You sure. Know? And I think I started to get a really good relationship happening with Brent at the time, mm-hmm. and who's the other chief songwriter yeah. in the band. And and uh, uh, all I remember, dude, was Ryan was going away on a ski trip or something like that for the weekend, and Brent and I were, you know, every, the rest of us were all staying in that house or, you know what I mean, working. Yeah. And Ryan was like, you know, it was the end of the record, everything had already been written, and uh, he was like, let's try to beat. Let's try to be whatever. Whatever we thought the biggest song was at the time, which may have been Secrets or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, so Brent and I screwed around, did like five starts. And uh, when Ryan came back on Monday, one of the starts was Good Life. Yeah. 
And so he heard it and just like instantly wrote to it, dude. Within like seven, six hours, we had that song fully fleshed out. Last song written for the record, I think. Were and you, coincidentally, the biggest. Were you ever, um, like, were you ever asked to be a member of the band, or did you ever want to be? Is it weird to be such? <laughs> so there was like one brief period right around then when they didn't have, they didn't have a bass player or something. Well, Brent's because he's a cellist but yeah he's like, he didn't yeah. want to play bass or i can't remember the situation it's a weird change they, you're going from fourths to fifths on your strings like it actually takes like a, i'm always impressed when someone's like oh i'll pick up cello and all of a sudden like the like, mental game to switch from one to the other is is always like more impressive than people realize but yeah. um but you, you, there so they were you could have played bass with them or was it like who cares there, there was there was a, there was a moment in time when it was like you know would you like to come on tour and possibly play bass and I was like, hell no. I don't, looking back on it, would I maybe have done it? I don't know. I just, I've never been a performing musician and that scared the hell out of me. Sure. You know. Did uh, I- but that was about it, man. You know, my place with those guys was definitely, the thing was, is I was the vehicle. I, I could produce shit all day and all night in hotel rooms and stuff like that. Right. While, so were you, while Ryan you, was handling business. Did you, you tour know? with them a yeah, lot? A lot. Yeah. Lot, so, like, man. while you're writing this stuff, you're on the road with the band. Well, for you this, really are the, the like. I called you the invisible member because your contribution is. I mean, I guess I've known the guys since before they broke. You know, it's like yeah. I, the contribution you've had to their to the writing is obviously pretty significant. You know, <coughs> and it's and nobody. It's not like you're hidden or anything. But it's it's an interesting thing to be such a key member of a band and not be you know a stage member of the band. Yeah. Do people treat you because you're so close to the project? Do do people treat you differently? And do you have like groupies? Like do no. do you, like one Republic yeah. people know? Well, <coughs> do they I know you? My, I sh- at one point a while ago, yeah, maybe there were some because of I had a Facebook account and we were all kind of tied in together. And uh-huh. may, you know, one Republic fans would f- find me and just ask a lot of random questions and girls would, you know, sure, you know what sure, I mean? Sure, but really, sure. they're just trying to get to the band. Right, know? right. Um, how do you, do you write for other people while you're on the road? Like, how do you write for other things other than One Republic? Or is it over the last two years of touring? Is that, you know, the new album just came out and you were saying how you spent essentially 23 months on it. Yeah. Were you able to work on other things or? This time around, not really you know we didn't do too much and i and i it's just because of the nature of how this record went down you know it was it was just different it was different than the last two that i'd done with them was it fun it was fun but it's you know with bands right it's it's there she's man there's this huge component of uh, uh that that has everything to do with kind of like finding the next sound right i mean i guess we all deal with that but for a band i you know for those guys in specific i feel like they, they had this really huge weight this time around do you feel that weight of course because i'm kind of like you know well at least on you know i i'm like with this last record i'm constantly like kind of pitching ryan starts and and yeah. and you know everybody was trying to kind of find their feet and figure out a sound that ultimately would work for the record and and it's it's wild man because it's so different that you know that the the top line game is is um the relevancy comes in lyric writing and melodies i think math wise the basic overarch is the same i think that da 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 that you get in like the whole like Fetty meets Drake kind of thing that's all over pop right now. Like right. I think eventually that's just a fad of this era yeah. melodically. But yeah. I think melody wise songs tend to be you know the same since the fifties as far as that yeah. goes. And the hard part is in you know the the production to stay relevant and in the lyrics to lyric stay and production huh yeah i mean how do you stay relevant <laughs> yeah that's exactly it and then for a band like this you know we're working on songs and you've got i mean you know it look man make, make no mistake it's their show i'm just a, i was just a hired gun you know my, my job as a producer was just to, in my opinion anyways just to help them achieve sure. their vision and try to keep them on you know track it, it, I mean, it makes you a good. It, it makes you a good co-writer, you know. Are yeah, you, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not in the band. I don't have, you know, there's so, there, the dynamic is so wild because you've got band members that, you know, these guys, these poor guys have to go out and tour these songs for the next decade or, you know, yeah. or whatever, or at least the immediate, you know, future. And it's like, they want to do songs that they that they believe in. It's amazing to see how big they've gotten. You know, worldwide, yeah. you're talking about just a massive, massive yeah. band. From, yeah. They were already you know, huge, but Counting Stars was like that. For me, that was when I saw them go from, you know. Sure. They were doing... You know, twenty three to three thousand person shows in Europe and stuff like that. And I would go on tour with them, and then uh, you know they went straight to you know pretty much uh, arenas, right? Like bigger. So crazy. Um, do you start from from? Do you produce out finished songs now with them, or is it mostly that you start like? I do you start from tracks? Do you start from songs? Does it depend on this last album? With those guys, yeah, it really depended, man. They, uh, you know, Ryan is, in my opinion, man, Ryan's at his best when, uh, when he's doing it, man. When he's just, you know, there's some, there's some certain magic that that he has sure. when he's at the keys, sure, or a guitar when he's guiding the chords while he's coming up with top line, you know. So I tried to keep him, you know, at least with the stuff that I did with him on this record, like Let's Hurt Tonight and Choke. And yeah. uh, I did a lot of the uh, the more kind of you know I don't know rootsy songs, right? And uh, I that's that's the kind of stuff I wanted to do. That's the kind yeah. of stuff I wanted to bring out, you know. Yeah. And and, and they were and obviously you've heard the records, you know. They've got this whole other kind of component on the record that's like more just a, like a funk kind of disco syncopated thing going sure. on. I just want, I wanted both, man. How soon till you have to start writing like the next one? I, do you dude, guys or I, to be honest with you man my yeah. you know I I don't even know you know I don't even know cuz really I'm not uh, I was obviously you know I jumped in on this last record with him and we went super hard but oh well I did the Sean Mendes thing um uh, oh, I right? she did last summer yeah uh, and I literally did that like at night yeah. like after we were you know working on our shit did you write rough. that did you write that on your I, own? Who did you write that in. with? I was brought in. Uh, that was a co-write with uh, uh, well, uh, Camila. Nice. And Sean. And then there were, I think there was another writer. Yeah. Yeah, they'd come How to How does it feel when it. you get to write songs sort of away from... I mean, I, great writing teams are great writing teams for a reason. So, you know, we've done interviews with Mikel. You know, we didn't do tour in Mikel. No, if right. a tour, we'll do tour too sometime. But, sure. like, you know, you just see uh, Roger, you know... Rogers and Hammerstein, Rogers and Hart, Rogers like yeah. there are different writing teams and different things. It's like, what does it feel like when you work outside of the writing team? Is it sort of uh, is it exciting or does it make you kind of nerve nervous? No, I love it, man. And I've been doing it. I mean, I haven't written with Ryan in a long time. Him and I. I mean, we're doing a, a, a song with Ella Henderson. Yeah, yeah. and uh, we've got a couple other things that have kind of been, but we haven't written anything new in a while. Sure. And uh, it just has a lot to do with the fact that uh, uh, we all just kind of split, you know. Yeah. Uh, maybe w- when the record was almost almost done and everything was at mix, everybody kind of went their own ways and stuff. So I mean, I've only you been writing with breathe. other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 dude, it depends. It's a tough thing, you yeah. know. I like writing with Ryan because uh, uh, the one thing I like about that guy, man, and, and this, this is very this is a very industry centric kind of thing. Like you have sure. to be in it to know, but a lot of top liners dude are like that. Like we, it's that day of shit, you know, like, like for instance, if Ryan and I are working on a song, yeah. like, you know, we'll go back and rework the top line 20 times sections, you know, 100%. constantly or the track or what, you know, we'll go and go and go and go. I mean like, fuck man, that song, the Demi Lovato song that Ryan and I did years ago called Neon Lights. Yeah. I I mean, I was like, I worked on the production on that song for like five months on yeah. just, just making changes and stuff. Sure. And then, uh, and then it's like... The, it's song the, craft versus song writing. Absolutely, man. And I come, you know, and then I do this thing in writing sessions and top liners, man, they come in, they want to do their little thing and bounce. And that's it. Just send me, send me it when it sounds like a hit. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, okay, what if a section needs to be rewritten? What if like, you know what I mean? Like, Have any there of- are like... Co- there are like top liners that don't want to come in, back in the room again. Right. I'm not going to name any names, but I'm just like literally like whatever they give you that day is is what you're supposed to run with. And I'm just sitting there thinking, well, that's funny because I've worked with this dude, you know, yeah. who's a very legendary songwriter and he's not too good to go back and fucking rewrite entire sections. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? To exhaustion until we get the song right. How are you so hot shit? 
that yeah. you can't do it. You well, know, it's so the that's, difference that's of the your jazz. Like you, you, you grew up around jazz, which yeah. is all improv. Like the best, the best jazz musicians are ones that improvise best. Yeah, you know. True. Um, but the actual refrain, yeah. the actual chorus in jazz. That thing took forever right. to write, and to then write. the then the solos happen, and that's just a moment. Yeah. But solos in pop don't really happen, you know. And even those are really edited. Right. You know, it's like, right. um, I mean, no offense to Johan, but don't don't kid yourself that the guitar solo in Dangerous Woman is like a one take kind of thing. You know, like <laughs> solos don't really happen that organically, right. and it's a, it's so much of that. The crafting the chorus takes all this it time. Does, it man. takes time. Yeah, it's just a different model, you know. Like, what what songs have you had that have worked that were just like came super you know, fast? Yeah, like did burn or did like uh, so good? You know, like some of these songs that sound like I like burn is one of those things that them, that sound yeah. like it could have been written in five minutes and probably took. You know, months to right, write. right. Well, I was which is there. what makes yeah. that great. That record's amazing, man. And I wasn't there for the inception of that song. Okay. I, 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 I was brought in later. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, Did you... So you know how we're... I've always wondered this. So it's a random question. But when it's like... Um, <laughs> Burn, 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 and and it's it's like melodyne on that one burn, right? Mm-hmm. That must have happened after she was gone, right? Or is yeah. that like yeah. where it's just like, oh, that would be cool. That's on tether, man. That's on that's on tether. That like one. some yeah, something could... about that one note. I always am like, that's really cool because clearly that was done later, and it's actually like in that genre is such a yeah. cool effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it's like was... it seems like it was planned, but it clearly was done afterwards. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, that was a tether move for sure, and I I can't remember specifically why. I mean, that note was augmented. Obviously, it sounds it's worked. Sure. But, what, what but, but yeah, so so with regard to, you know how it goes, man, and some of them come super quick, right? And, yeah. And sometimes the production you do day of is is like just minimal enough or whatever, and it works and it's perfect. And then every, you know, and then everything you try to add down the road, just whatever, clouds the song, doesn't make it sound any better. Sure. So, I mean, uh, you know, Counting Stars was, was uh, the track portion of that song came super quick. It's very basic, but uh, I think Ryan spent a lot of time rewriting lyrics on right. that thing and kind of going back and forth. Do you think it makes a difference, or do you think sometimes, like, change? Because sometimes when I when someone's like, "Hey, t- trying to tweak lyrics in a verse," I think it, it's different when you're the artist. I think because you want to make sure you're saying something, but sometimes I think tweaking the lyrics in the second verse, like, I don't know yeah. who's listening to that. I don't know if I I couldn't sing you lyrics to any of the songs that I've had that have been successful. Yeah, I couldn't sing any right. of the verses. Right, I probably couldn't even sing the chorus to a few of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I get it, man. Yeah, so I mean, basically, like pick, picking your battles. Yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah. I think the editing process is it's. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go. You need to be proud of it in the end, but sometimes it's like yeah, I don't know if that really makes a difference. Like the Swedish sort of thought process when they don't speak the language first. Right. You know, it's about right. the sound of the words yeah. often more than the meaning. Yeah. So, well, isn't is isn't it and I, I this might be total bullshit. Yeah. They can call bullshit on me. But yeah. but like it, it, it like with with Ryan's kind of songwriting which is very lyric centric, right? Yeah. It's all about like a classic yeah. lyric 
you know, versus the Swedes. It, 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 I, I think, I, and like you just said it, man, like this, I, I feel like the Swedes will, they'll compromise lyric for sake of phonetics and how it fits. Yeah, any day. You know what I mean? Even if it was the most beautiful fucking line ever written, I don't know. But then on the other side, you know, uh, you know, a guy like Tedder will definitely compromise, you know, a within reason, for... a melody or, or even, yeah, just a rhythm for a killer lyric. Well, it's know. also if you're, you know, if you're writing for... Um, I mean, you know, I guess for Ryan, a lot of those songs are really international. But it seems like that the Swedish thought process is that you, you know, you're writing for half of your your audience that, that doesn't they don't speak English, so it doesn't really matter about what you're saying as much as how you're saying it. Yeah, yeah, and there's so much truth sense, to that. But, I mean, I guess within right. Like, well, you don't want it to be shit. It still has to be clever somewhere. Somewhere yeah. like the hook or the yeah. title, like it can't just be throwaway, right? Well, if you, no one will ever cut it, and the artist yeah. won't want to cut it, and it's not real and it's not emotional. I'm just saying that there are probably times where that extra tweak. I don't know if it makes a difference. Well, aren't we kind of coming down off of that now? Like, isn't everyone a little bit like like the Swede thing was just like really took hold, uh, you know, for for a couple of years, and now even you know, everybody's kind of like letting things breathe a little bit, at least with some of the yeah, sessions maybe. I've been in recently. You know, everybody's like, I think at one point everybody's they like, we off. have to do the math. We have yeah. to do the math because the Swedes are doing the math and it's working. We have to do the math as well. You know, it was kind of one of those. Now everybody's kind of like, okay, you know. Interesting. I mean, I guess my, I, I think part of the math is knowing when to script the math, you know. And, knowing and, when to break the rules. You know, and even saying that this, you know, right now you have the number one song at top 40 is by MXM, you know, it's yeah. by the Swedes. And, yeah. you know, even exactly. if that's the move um, to push back from the over math kind of single, um, those math songs still work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it also depends if you're pitching a song versus, you know, when you're with the artist. I think it's easier to... Um, pitch sort of a classic math song. Yeah, totally. You're totally right, man. Yeah. Um, so watching you go on stage and get your Grammy was pretty cool. Oh, thank you, sir. I mean, what's that? that? Pretty wild. Yeah, where do you keep your Grammy? It's it, I, it's at my place. Uh, you know, just on a table. On a uh, is it know, like on, on a case, case actually? It's it's on. It's a not, I don't I don't do it, man. I I, I try not to hang anything. Really. Why? I have, I have superstitions, I guess. Why? What's the superstition? Accolades? I don't know, man. I mean, that's what I was saying about the I modesty like to, I like thing, to like hide you... everything so that I feel like I've not done a fucking thing. Because that motivates you? Yeah. I I don't. I just don't. I'm, I'm, I hate tooting my own horn, man. Why? I don't know, man. I just never cared. Because it's Isn't so that weird. I've I mean, like, never what given a shit. When I, was, when I was like nine years old, I got MVP or something like that for swimming. Like, I was, I was, you know what I mean? A competitive yeah. swimmer, I didn't even show up for the trophy. And like, they were so bummed because it was like every other swimmer wanted that trophy so bad. And I just didn't even. Do you, so do you, act, you act, actively push back from that? Yeah, I, 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 and I wasn't, too, I'm not too big of a fan of the BMI things and all of that either. Going to those, I love them and I love everybody. I, I, it's just for me. It's I'm just very self conscious and I hate going up there, and like, you know, it's really interesting. Do your parents like? Were was it had? Were they? Did they give you so much love that you were like, I don't need love from the outside, or did they not? You know, like, where does it? It's so, such. A, it's so unique because I think you know we we're talking about L. A. and how it can swallow you up. And I feel like the way it swallows people up is because they want to be famous, they want to be recognized, and it never is enough. Like nothing's ever enough here, man. Nothing. But it man. but it is enough if you're not if you don't care about don't the care. accolades. That's it, man. Well, we could pull out cliches all day, right? Like some 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 people move to L.A., man. The city changes them. Some people change the city, right? Yeah. Some people get here and they, you know, one, one of the funniest, I think LA is one of those cities where like two weeks after moving here, you now want a bunch of shit that you didn't even know existed before you got here. Yeah. I want to fuck it. You know what I mean? I want a black Wraith with 23 inch rims. You know, you didn't even know what a Rolls Royce Wraith was before yeah. you moved here, dude. I didn't know what it was. You know, you just said it. And that's, that's and, this kind, and not only it. that, LA likes I winners. I just looked it up. LA loves winners, right? 
Yeah. Loves winners. Does not like losers. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot I of always external... Say, when, when someone moves, I'm always like, welcome to L.A. where the streets are paved with actors' dreams. Yeah. Oh <laughs> you know? like, yeah. That, no, that's it. Don't let all the, don't let all the, uh, the, the palm trees and frozen yogurt fool you. But it's don't a tough you, place. Don't you want... Do you want things at all? Like, what do you do now that you have, like, you have so many, so many hits, like, do you live in a nice house? Or do you drive a nice car? I mean, I, you know, don't you think the best thing to do is just kind of hide, man, and and do your, stay humble and do your thing. The most important thing is to last, I think. That's all, that's all I think about, man. And you've been in this game. Yeah. Every bit as long as I have. And it's like, and you've had a really killer year. And uh, I had a really killer year, like last year or whatever, year before, 15, I think, right? Last year. And right. uh, I mean, it's it's really just just being able to deal with the ebbs and flows of the industry, man. That's all I care about. When when 2015 ends and you're, you're winning BMI Songwriter of the Year, um, are you thinking, oh, yeah, I'll be able to sustain this level of success next year too? Or, like, how do you emotionally deal with when you're at the peak? You know, it it's an ego thing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, 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 I've... Dude, I'm so humble. I didn't get... Look, dude, I didn't sign a songwriter deal until I was 32. So... I mean, and, and even then it was a fluke, me even getting in in the first place. I didn't even want to be a song, really a pop songwriter, man. I just kind of didn't know what it was. And I was too immersed in just doing hip-hop beats. And that's what I listened to and that's what I loved, you know. And uh, I don't know, circling back I mean, around. You still it's are. Not I something... walked in and you were still, like, listening to music. Yeah. Like, on it. my way over, I'm listening to pod, podcasts, you know, not you know about nothing and you're in here still sort of studying beats yeah. is it that's just like is that the radio dj in you i dude it's the just trying to stay current thing i think yeah you know i mean first of all you gotta love it you gotta love it i think right you, if you don't well, I love, love it you don't love... before you have to go all in if you have a uh, plan b i mean it will not work in the city you will, will get crushed yeah yeah, man. I mean, and it, LA's rough. You, you just don't can't, can't let it get to you, though. That's the thing, you know. And some people do well here, and some people don't. Most of the stuff that I've done, man, we were talking about like Burn, Counting Stars, all that. Sure. None of those records are written here. I can't, as a matter of fact, think of one record that I've done in the last eight years that was written in LA. In LA, yeah. but you've done so many songs here. Yeah. Well, I've worked on them here, but they weren't. But you know what I mean. They were conceived somewhere else. So do and, you travel a lot then, or are you just like... Well, look, I did. I did like 30 countries last year with the band, um, finishing the record. Yeah. And I mean, we went, we went everywhere, you know what I mean, from like you Istanbul should host a, to... You should host a writing camp, and even just in Santa Barbara or something. It's I like, know, I know, You just man. put together like five people and be like, let's get out of here. Well, the, you know what, man, because I just rapped, you know, I've had like this the, a plan for the last year and a half, two uh-huh. years to kind of, you know, sign a, a writer or two of my own and kind of start doing that stuff and and branching out so this last couple months has been my have you signed some writers then uh i'm signing one guy uh, he's a, a producer, producer. Mm-hmm. Cool. teach what you know man right you that's know. what you were saying when I, when we walked in because I, I i feel i feel like i want to find i've always wanted to find a producer that i could just sort of bring around and and have for a lot of things and um uh, but in reality, when it comes down to developing a writer, either thing. I'm going to give that producer really bad advice on how to be a real finisher, because the minute I start talking to him, I'm going to be talking about how top line works. Yeah, yeah. And I won't, and I won't be able to give like actual advice. Exactly. What man. advice do you give that guy? Like well, he's just starting, and you're like, "Welcome to Los Angeles. This place will swallow you whole." <laughs> what What advice do you give a new guy? Well. Man, with a lot of the, it's really just the the, the thing I kind of try to impart on on them right away is to, it's the perspective of the song, in my opinion. You know, I mean, producers obviously, it's like anything else. You know, they're 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 so involved in the nuts and bolts and the mechanics of of the sounds and everything. They get lost in it, man. Just like a keyboard player, you yeah. know what I mean, is like throwing in little licks everywhere yeah. because he's super good, or like a guitar player just can't help himself. Yeah. Same with a lot of producers, right? Like they're just everything is so busy because yeah. you know, in an effort to really give it their all, 
they do and they just go so hard you just yeah. have to kind of get them to step back you know sometimes like, yeah, like giving it your all doesn't mean you have to play everything it does just not means mean there's like, not a hole yeah. they're not willing to fill you know what i mean with some t- type of sound or some shit it's just just in getting them to kind of step back and hear the song and and well, it, look you at know, knowing like, when to go crazy on the production but make sure that the thing is is in it you know what i mean it's even worth taking a shot at first Second of all, getting it to a place where it may or may not work at radio, where the choruses pop and where everybody's excited about it. And you know what I mean? And then well, Counting Stars, of- when you start saying that how s- simple the production is to you, you know, and, and you get into songs like Love Yourself and you get into songs like Seven Years and these songs that like uh, that, that kill it at radio, some of them are way simple. Love you yourself. know, there's just nothing else. Like, if a hit yeah. song is not based on how loud that hi-hat is. No. You know? No. If anything, and, and, it'll yeah. only pull from how good the song is. That's exactly it, man. And and, and I, I got that, I, well, you know what I mean? I, I had that training kind of 101 from, from you know, the Ryan Tedder thing because at yeah. his core, he, you know, he's a pop songwriter, man. So the song had to be there, you know, 100%. The chorus had to be there before sure. we started dialing in, right. you know what I mean, diving into the other side oh, of things. Oh, it's a waste of time otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. But you'd be surprised, right? And and I get it, man. I get it. I mean, I was a you know what I mean. I came from that producer side of it too. You just they're just looking at things differently and, and I think there are better ways to Would you ever you sign know. an established writer? Yeah. Right? You yeah, know, like somebody sure. I just as long as I'm not gonna butt heads with them. That's you know what I mean. On right. every single thing. I mean Like what advice would you give somebody who let's say that you find somebody who's you know, there are a lot of writers. There's who a producer have had that I like, success. man, I'm not gonna name his name, but I, I mean I would sign him in a second. I just you know He's he's maybe a little too pop and and I can't afford him, <laughs> you know, but I would. So what do you? Yeah, I, I don't know. How do you advise that guy? Like, you're only signing someone that you can in way in a way help. Like, how right. do you help an established guy? Well, I you know for me honestly, I try to sign people, or I'm trying to sign people that can help me as much as I help them. Okay, you know, and yeah, so you want to take on more work yeah, yeah, yeah. and and kind of divvy things out and stuff like that so every time i add something i think that it's going to be i can give them the work yeah. what it does i mean on some level yeah i can have my writers go and do sessions that i i wouldn't normally be doing and you know i almost always sign girls Interesting. like i have signed two artists that are girls two writers that are girls you know and it's like because I, I can't do that, but I understand the songwriting part. Sure. And then at least that's something I can't do. But for yeah. the most part, it definitely it doesn't necessarily limit the amount of work I have. Right. You know? Right. Right, I think right, the right. dream is yeah. that you find someone who can do exactly what you do. Yeah. You know? and But that's not yeah, possible because that's what you do. Yeah. yeah and you're always exactly. going to have a say and like, yeah, but I mean... Well, the guy that the guy that I'm signing, I mean, you know, he can beat the pants off of me with production, man, for sure. Oh, cool. you know, well, in his own way. Yeah, right. You know, they're just. Uh, it's again, weird for you to man. say that with like you know, however many huge ass records. It's interesting to, but that's you who doesn't have a a platinum record up on their wall. Well, I have a my I have my pile of 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 records and and whatever award things and they're they're sitting next to a couch okay and and i i have this i have this image of going there's a there's a couple writers i've been to where it's just floor to ceiling you know platinum hey man i mean i kind of like i i i kind of want a room somewhere in my life where i have it in a way (laughs) for my grandkids to walk in and be like Oh, yeah. that's fucking cool. You know, like grandpa wrote for, I don't know, Flo Rida, like yeah. whoever that guy was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I think that's where, and I and I think legacy is stupid because I think in the end, like we'll all be dead and nobody's going to talk about what pop songs I had. Like right. Right. people don't remember, don't know who Franz Liszt is. They know who Mozart is. Like they, they yeah. most the kids don't know who Ringo Starr is. They know who Paul McCartney is at best, you yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. So it's like they're not going to pay attention to like whatever I leave. But I kind of think having those plaques up in a room just to have I uh, agree, man. some point would be cool. Yeah. No, but I try I not totally to put it. I, I don't want them like up everywhere. Yeah. But I kind of want them up everywhere. Yeah. I don't begrudge someone for doing it. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't either. Yeah. I think it's it's just that I, for me it's it's too intimidating, man, to I don't know. I just it's a personal thing. I'm going to give you a list of a few people. Okay. 
And I just kind of want to hear what your thoughts are. Sure. Adam Levine. Love him, man. Yeah, I love that guy. You've had, like, a bunch of records with them. Yeah. Um, maybe done three or four songs with them, but two Maps singles. Maps is probably the, the biggest, right? Love Somebody as well. The back, oh, Love were, Somebody. Yes, right, right, that was number the one. back-to-back. That's crazy. Singles, I think. Or, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was the last single of the previous, of uh, Overexposed, and, and then into... Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that guy's rad, right? I mean, he... uh uh, not only is he an excellent player, he was an yeah. excellent musician. Like I remember him just beating the shit out of the drums one day. Yeah, people don't realize how good of a guitarist he is. <clears throat> no, I mean, yeah, he's yeah, it, yeah it's un- unbelievable, man. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, rad guy. Taylor Swift, badass, yeah. tough. tough. Very tough. She's a tough chick, man. Yeah, yeah, I like that. You know, yeah. I mean, I did a couple things with her, and uh, I mean, all, talented too. Yeah. A-list writer. Imagine if, yeah. There, there are, there are a couple like, people I've been in the yeah. room with where it's like, if they weren't artists, they would be the biggest top liners in the game probably. Adele was one sure. of them too, bro. I mean, well, yeah. everything, that chick, everything that, that comes out of her mouth is, you, in my you, opinion, You didn't epic. work with Adele, though. Dude, I did. I did like two different writing trips to, to London. Two different Did you get stuff on the record? So, Ryan and I did like 11, 12 starts with her or something like that maybe. And... uh maybe fleshed out like four songs, five songs. Uh-huh. And then the only thing she ended up using was uh, this song called Remedy that her and okay. Ryan had done before I had had anything to do with any of it. Unfortunately, I didn't get a song. I Trust me, man. I mean, I'd be Grammy nominated for the second year if yeah. I had something on that album. Yeah. Um, Ellie Goulding. Yeah, Ellie. Uh, you know, I love Ellie. She, her voice is so sick. I saw her live and I was like, I was floored. You know, you hang with I didn't her, think, I thought she like, was like a pop, I guess, this is one of the problems that, um, uh, we were talking to Justin Trainer for this, and he was talking about the misogyny in the music business, and I think yeah. that there's like, the, the feel of like pop stars, of these girls not being real musicians. Right. You know, like, like there's like this thing where people talk about, oh, it's all auto-tune and all that shit. And in reality, yeah. you see someone like Ellie Goulding live and shame on me for not realizing that that girl can fucking perform and sing and handle. Right, yeah. She's super badass, man. Well, the thing about, it, it, like, you'll write with her, right? Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you're not, she's not really singing. We're just, you know, you're just kind of going through getting, yeah. getting, getting everything happening. And then, and then she gets on the mic to cut a demo vocal. Yeah. That's kind of the thing, man. And then once she starts singing, you're like, holy fuck, that's Ellie Golding. You know, she has such sure. a discernible, rad voice, man. Sure. Ella Henderson. Ella's awesome. Yeah. Such a sweet girl, man. And uh, when I first worked with her, when I first met her, she had, you know, her biggest thing, right, to date was taking second or third or something like that on X Factor UK. Yeah. Simon signed her. And uh, uh, when I, yeah, when I first met her, man, she Ghost was might be my girl. favorite song that's on really? your resume. Yeah. I just think that's like one of those songs where it's like, fuck, I wish I wrote that one. I usually don't really wish I write, you know, kind of anything, but I sort of wish I wrote that one. That was a good one. That song's rad, man. It came out pretty cool. And, uh, uh, I mean, everybody worked at that one, man. Everybody um, kind of jumped in and made that song happen for sure. Ryan Tedder. Ryan's rad, man. I mean, he's, just been, he's been my biggest mentor. Yeah. For sure, in all of this. Where? What's next for you? You know, man, uh, I'm just going to try to last, man, and, and write some great songs and, and, and do the thing, you know. Thank, do you ever worry? Thank goodness I don't have the... Uh, I don't have any One Republic stuff to deal with for a while. Yeah. Do you uh, worry? Yeah, of course, man. I mean, don't we all? This is such a brutal city. Is that what you're talking about? I just don't in know. general? I don't know, because, like, you know, I've always thought well, of I you do. as... I look like I'm just... just like, yeah, because you're a really chill guy. I mean, well, I'm a pretty chill guy, too. I night guard because I grind my teeth so bad. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I stress. I stressed on this last record hard, man. Politics. And- Did you take a vacation? 
Do you ever take? No, man. Trips? And the, the the thing that kind of sucked was was uh, I worked on the the One Republic thing for so long that when I finally was like free from it, my management was just like, "Yes, we can start throwing him in everything." You and I was take like, "Well, wait, fucking wait a second here." You know, I mean, I haven't even been cut my advance from the One Republic record yet, and you're yeah. already you've already yeah. completely filled my schedule. You know. Yeah. Like so, I, I don't I don't take vacations very well because I I spend two days into it and I'm like I wish I could go somewhere yeah I just I can't disconnect yeah. and but then you look at those you know Scandinavian writers and they all take two months off they compartmentalize really and well. none of us and none of us are like oh they left for two months we won't write with them when they're back why do we have this fear like where does it come from that we don't just take like significant amount of time off regularly i don't know know, man it's like the american business model isn't it don't aren't we the hardest like we take less vacation than anybody on earth i think man. your dad's a jazz trumpet player like it wasn't he was you know is he like you know was he working all the time well you know my dad's stories is kind of a whole different one man you know he was a trumpet player kind of like first you know before he had kids and got married and stuff then he put it aside oh okay and then did a bunch of other stuff so so he did, I, you know what I mean? I don't remember him having that kind of grind. Our grind is different, though, isn't it? But 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 don't you think some of it's because you love your job so much that yeah, uh, I love it. I'm it's I'm not like even a so job. It's just you're just it. yeah, it's yeah. your hustle, no doubt. And so that's what it is, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, we just yeah. we can't take a break from our hustle. Yeah, because it's also where we find pleasure, right? Sure, yeah. sure. I think that's the thing with us. We work hard because we want to work hard. Yeah. Is there fear? Yeah. I mean. We're all afraid that, like, the last dollar we just made is the last dollar we're going to make. We're all afraid that, you know what I mean, that we'll Especially never get entrep- a cut again. We're entrepreneurs. Because, I mean, yeah. like, nobody, there is no boss. There's no severance package. No. And that's why this city's so weird, right? Because everybody in this town is in the same boat we are. So they're, A, trying to figure out, trying to manage the thing they're in at the moment while simultaneously trying to line up the next meal. You know what but I mean? But that's not different in any other business, right? Yeah, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. I've lived here since That's I was all 18. We know. That's all we I've know. I've lived right? here since I was 18. I genuinely don't know if, like, you know, if but I'm dude, a banker. Make no mistake. We're nuts, man. I mean, is, is your is your girl in uh, uh, the industry? No. Well, see, doesn't she think you're batshit crazy, man? Yeah, I guess that's probably why she liked me in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to <laughs> civilians, I call them civilians. Yeah, right? I call them muggles. Yeah. Isn't that what they're called in like in uh in uh, Muggles? Yeah, isn't that in uh in uh uh with Harry Potter, it's like the humans. Oh yeah. Like they call it like wizards and muggles. Yeah. And it's like like the you know, there's like wizards and then they're the people who don't really understand the the how it's really done, you know? Dude, I my old girlfriend, the one that I the, from Denver and yeah. all that stuff, one I'd been working on so much shit and, and one day she just looked at me and she goes, God, I wish I could you know what I mean? Make a living like you just messing around with keyboards all day. That's what she said. Well, it is a little bit of a video game. There's no doubt. Like, I don't know if there's a difference between sitting in a computer and playing on Logic or, or sitting in front of a PlayStation and, and playing a video game. I, and I think that's why I can't put it down is that, you know, a lot of people are like, I, I am so backlogged on work, um, but I'm sitting here having conversations with you because that's inspiring and and even when it comes down to like these tracks i was like i'll work on it during break because during break it's like what am i gonna do not not write i actually really enjoy it it makes me happy taking a break just makes me feel like i'm not working yeah (laughs) i know which is totally weird it's weird weird. yeah the mentality is weird but it's also it's just it's We're also so in the fun, thick of it. Man. We're in the thick of it. Like, you know, I see your Instagram. Like, you're obviously yeah. busy working on things. Right, so when right. you're working on things, it's really, you know. Well, in the, it, right, in the way this industry works, it's like, you know, with the Ella Henderson stuff yeah. that I've been doing recently. I mean, you know, I'm dealing with the record labels overseas yeah. that are texting me at four in the morning. Yeah, or exactly. However that works, yeah. you know. So that's the other part of it. It's just a 24-hour-a-day thing. Yeah, it never sleeps. It never sleeps, bro. That's it's not that we don't sleep; it's that it doesn't sleep, and we're forced right. to stay awake with it. It's- I remember saying when we were first writing, and I was doing like some of these late night, you know, late night sessions still in my life, and saying, "Which you're not doing anymore." Right? Oh no, no, no! You don't I, have I don't work to. at nights, and I don't work weekends. And I and I I I was up at six o'clock this morning, and I was working on some lyric stuff because I was in bed, and that's when I start working. It's quiet. It's actually the sun's not even up yet, 
And yeah. it's like, I don't need to be, I don't like that, the, the concept of like, oh, I'm grinding all the time. I don't think that that's realistic. And I don't think I'm creative. No, no, no. I no, kind of no. say that I'm not creative after 530. Yeah. Like that's that last exactly half it. hour and a half is me really struggling to get a song finished. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I was an engineer for years, just like, you know, in these sessions where people would just hang yeah. 24 hours a day. They were and just not dicking off. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, yeah. you're hanging here because it's a studio yeah. and like girls are coming in and like, whoa, wait a second. Is, you know, work is literally the last thing like, yeah. you guys are trying to do here. I think my tombstone's going to say something like, um, uh, you know, working on the second verse should be done in a second. Oh, you know, yeah, like yeah, exactly, because exactly. like that's the that's my most common tweet or tweet text to my wife is like, uh, you know, it's like at that point at night, it's like it shouldn't take too long, and I'm spending two hours just trying sure, to get this yeah. fucking second verse that no one cares, and I'm gonna end up having to tweak when you call me later and say, like, can you come back and tweak it anyway? Uh, so it's like, yeah. I'd rather copy and paste the fucking first verse because if you don't like the song because I didn't change the lyrics in the second verse, right. fuck you. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's yeah. like... It's a, it's a lifelong hustle, isn't it? It just it's, is. It's the, it's the, I, I read this thing on, on a, uh, and it was Woody Allen, right? And uh, <laughs> he said that every time, like, one of his films goes into, you know, the minute his script goes into filming... He uh, uh, he starts writing a new script. He's yeah. always got something new, yeah. you know, that he's working on, and and I think that's a big, that's that's simple. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, in, in a super simple way, that's 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 the model for for what we do as well. Well, thank you for doing this, and you, um, you know, I, I I have to by by uh, closing it. I, there aren't a lot of people that I root for more unconditionally than you. Like, I've known you for so long, and to watch you succeed like you have has been inspiring and has made me be like, fuck, man, If when you start working with certain people and they start breaking before you do, and eventually we all did fine, but you start seeing that you're like, man, I need to work harder. I need to figure out why are these working? And it's like, it's always been fun to watch you do really good songs that happen to also do well commercially. And, you know, to see the success has been really exciting. So congratulations and uh, welcome back to Los Angeles. Thank you, sir. And likewise, you've had a hell of a year. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And the Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to Jeff Sparger, David Silberstein from Mega House Music, and Michael White. Here's a sneak peek of next week's And the Writer Is. Midnight Memories was was, uh, originally I Love KFC. Like until the very end, we didn't have the chorus lyric. We like wrote all these lyrics. The no was, way. I love KFC. Maybe you and me stumbling in the street, singing, singing, singing. I love KFC. Wow. Yeah. Do you and think the, that would have changed? Uh, that would have made the song bigger. Way bigger. <laughs> yeah. Until next time. This is Ross Golan. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.